Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Magic, you know, Antonio Conte Nino. Or, I don't know. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Roll the, Roll the Roach podcast. Um, and I nearly said fighting cock then again, but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I fuck it. I've done that so many times on this, and Raj used to, yeah, he used to revel in that. Like, uh, <laughs> did you edit that out or keep it in? I've kept it in a couple of times. I've done it so he's just like stop. <laughs> I can't remember that. He's just like stop thinking about your ex, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm, as I'm sure you're all aware by now, joined by Spooky again this week. How are you doing, mate? Yes, yeah, surprisingly well. I'm not surprisingly well, actually. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, fucking right. hell, you set a high, you got a high bar, mate. Like... No, 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 I'm, 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 I'm great. Uh, the football helps uh, a lot. Um, looking ahead to, to not winning again for another five games, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what's your... What's... How the universe works with Tottenham. If we are going to, like, shelve, because I, I get it, it's, you know, a bit churlish as we're sort of in the throes of still of a global pandemic and on the... On the uh, on the eve of World War Three, by the looks of things, at the time of recording, um, if we are to just not laughing that, is it really? Yeah, it's kind of sat in isolation and detachment from that. We just talk about the football. Don't exactly, worry about the world game that's it. Up. Distract ourselves with it, and uh, I mean, just what a result! Like what 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 a result! Like and what a performance as well. Um, I, I, one th- the first thing I want to pick up with you on is what do you say to all this kind of Tottenham played anti-football Tottenham a negative sort of weird saltiness that is coming from the Manchester City fans because I'm not gonna lie I thought better of them as a fan base but they are going they're going very Arsenal in the wake of this defeat yeah there's a lot of entitlement there and it's like how dare you play uh, tactically and with astuteness how dare you plan and prepare you know, why didn't you turn up and play open football? Spurs are known for open football. They should be opening their legs for us. They should they should be basically attacking us so we can attack them and finish them off because we've got an elite squad of elite players in every position. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You like this thing where it's you know it. it I'm already like a minute into this and I'm going to get deep. There's this perception, I guess, around. Tottenham, obviously, as, as a fan base, we want a certain type of football, okay? But one of the things that's held us back for years is that we've never been able 
to kind of meddle in the dark arts, you know. And Pochettino got us there in many ways. You know, we were a very gritty, spirited team, spiteful at times, and we did the dirty work, and we never gave up. And and all that Conte's done here is something very similar. We've lost three games on the trot. We're facing Man City, who are a, a juggernaut. You're not going to go there and just appease the pundits and and this kind of mythology around swashbuckle and swagger. You're going to go there to try and win the game and and to boost morale. And I think we were very very intelligent. At the end of the day, if City are that good, if they're that great, I mean they're champions, then they're going to find a way to get past a team that sets up to defend and counter or or, or to to cleverly play the ball out from the back. And kind of bypass having to work their way through the, the city midfield. So it's it is you know it's that cliche about a game of chess, right? It, and and we just took all their pieces out in this broken analogy. But it, there's the fuck them is basically my point. Well, I, I mean, because I think what particularly kind of irks me about this one is that okay, I, I could I could understand it to a degree. I wouldn't I wouldn't give a shit. But what I mean is I could understand the ire more if it were coming from, say, Liverpool, who, to test them as I do, I still watch Liverpool, as I have done throughout their kind of Klopp years, and yeah. thought, they're a fucking, they're a proper football team. They play yeah. really good stuff. It, it is, you know, I hate how much I like watching this, like the way they play. It's brilliant. Like, they're a fantastic team to watch. Manchester City, I mean, they're, they're brilliant. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from that. And, you know, we can have the sort of, back and forth as much as we like about has Pep Guardiola ever had a real challenge but the the fact of the matter is Pep Guardiola is a he's a, he's obviously a sensational coach and he's a coach that or manager whatever way you want to put it who can deal with big personalities the pressure of expectation of working at a huge club which probably is something unto itself you know as as much as I have probably in the past said oh he's he couldn't do it with Tottenham maybe he couldn't but at the same time we're seeing Pochettino struggle with PSG it's a very different yeah it's a very different proposition um but uh, what I would say about Manchester City though is I, I I seldom watch them and think fucking hell they're an exciting team like I, I don't you know I, I don't mind them winning the league I mean perhaps I haven't minded them winning the league in the past when I've when we've been a bit closer to Liverpool and I've sort of had more kind of hatred towards them. Um, but now I'm, I'm, I'm almost kind of in a, in a strange place where I'm like, I wouldn't really mind if Liverpool won it this year. You know, I, I, I don't really want them to, but, but I don't mind it as much. And it's not really anything to do with like how City have been in the wake of this or anything. I just think it's, it's, not, it's not really very good for the Premier League to have a team like City do what they're doing now. Um, I mean, you know, arguably it's going to be Newcastle up there, you know, in a, in a decade or so, maybe yeah. a couple of decades. But I mean, what, how, how long was it after the city, the money started coming? It was about 10 years until they won the league, wasn't it? It took them about it was that while, long. It was a while. Because yeah. You, 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 things like, you, you have to build up to it and then you obviously attain a certain quality and you're able to build on that quality so you're buying world-class players to replace world-class players and I, I guess it comes back again to to uh, the, the, the kind of the, the, the difference it isn't a margin it isn't a game of inches when you're comparing this kind of squads and and you know Liverpool and City these type of teams Chelsea they're able to play at their capacity or that rather they're able to play um, without thinking so much about the opposition, 
You know, they, they will go out and play their football and then it's up to the opposition to, to deal with it, basically. And that can obviously cause a lot of grief for the opposing team because they're having to put up with this kind of locomotive, this juggernaut. That's why you have to sit up and play differently against them. When Spurs are at the level to go out and bully teams, they they go out and, and, and decide from the opening kick, we're going for the jugular here. You know, we're going to be cutthroat. That's you know, it's a completely different prospect. But you, 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 the gap between doing that and where we're at at the minute is is obviously massive for for us. But it kind of proves that you don't necessarily need a team of world-class players. You need a very good coach. You need the players to buy into what the coach is saying. But you also, and credit to every single Tottenham player, you also have to raise your game to, to a level uh, in terms of mentality uh, that it's easier for City to play at a mental level that's really high, an elite level, where they do not... They, do not, they hate losing, they want to win... And you can see it in the way they apply themselves. With Spurs, we get really good performances where we're, say, we're lauding Sanchez and we're saying stuff about players that we, we're often scapegoating, right? And then and then obviously they make mistakes and then you're back to, oh, for fuck's sake, he's, 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 he's shit, he's shit, he's shit. That's the level of players that obviously Conte's probably used to working with. But the fact that he can get something out of these players... He got something out of them against Liverpool. He got something out of them against uh, against City. So they are capable. Perhaps we're going to get stretched. Hence, why we need better players. But th- th- there's th- this bitterness, this salt from the pundits as well, from Sky Sports panel and, and, from, and from 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 Mancunians who are, are bitter about little old Tottenham winding them up again. I, mean, I don't know why we do it. <laughs> I mean, we wind up. The Bruyne, we wind up their fan base, we wind up Pep, it's fucking beautiful. It's their problem to deal with. Could it break us down? And we never gave up. And our attitude and our general uh, kind of stature within the game was, was top tier. And, and, and you know, we take, we take the bad, we take the losses. We should revel in it. Not small time reveling, but we should just, you know, just applaud them for what they've done and hope they can do that against the likes of Burnley and Leeds and, and, and lesser clubs. No disrespect then towards them. No, I know what you mean. And I, I think you, you touched on something very interesting there in, in the midst of it all as well in terms of us getting better players and the way that Antonio Conte is, is has working with what he's got. But if you also look at kind of what he expects from players and the way in which the team is going, it's, it's interesting to see how well... Kulusevski and Bentancur did in that game and probably how like especially Kulusevski how I guess integral to that performance they were um, I mean but I would say they both were equally in their own in their own ways and I kind of want to touch on something that somebody said to me because I was I was having a bit of a moan as I do on Twitter after after we sort of signed Kulusevski and Bentancur not in the way of like oh, I don't want these two why don't we have Dybala or why didn't we sign Haaland or something like that you know it's it's not in that way my sort of my concern was coming more from the place of like it just seems a bit dodgy to me that you know that Paratici has had several months to assess the squad knows what he needs has seemingly failed in being able to attract anybody other than two offcuts from Juventus two players that they want to get rid of and 
you know, I, I wasn't really basing it on anything that was around either of those two players. But what was what was put back to me is like fair enough, but also at the same time, you know, Kudelski is yeah, he's not had the best time at Juventus, but he's there's still promise there, and he's still a he's still a pretty solid player. He's still a kind of six seven out of ten type player. Same with Ben Tancur. You you're bringing them in to do a job in place of people who are not even managing to muster. If we're talking about Lo Celso and Ndombele, for example, you know, it's one week, it's a seven or eight, nine out of 10 from either of those. And the rest of the time they're not playing or they might as well not be playing. Um, But if you're bringing in instantly, you're bringing in two players who, you know, and I know it's one of these proper football man things that people don't like to talk about, but if you're bringing in players of a certain mindset, a certain mentality, winners, this type of thing that, Antonio Conte wants to work with. He wants to kind of work with these players that have pride and you know passion and belief and all this type of stuff every time they step onto the pitch and they want to win. You know, it's a good thing. And I guess you could say that we're sort of seeing the fruits. I mean, you know, one would immediately say, where were they against Southampton and Wolves? And yeah, it's a fair point. You know, I think there's there's still a lot of learning to be done, and we got to be careful not to be too kind of knee jerk off the back of a result, no matter how great it was to Manchester City. Um, in you know, I guess suggesting that any kind of criticism of what had come before this game was completely invalid, because you know I, I still have a certain level of scepticism about the the fit of Antonio Conte for Tottenham, but. You know, as as somebody said to me on Twitter again, <laughs> stop wetting the bed about it and just get on board. And that's kind of you know, it's it's a fair point, really. He's a, he's a he's a top class manager, and you can probably see that he he revels in occasions such as this. You know, in in, in this big game against somebody like Manchester City, against Pep Guardiola, this is where he really wants to kind of test himself. And maybe it's a learning for him as well. Maybe it's a learning for him that it's not so much that he's at a club like Tottenham where we can't step up to games like this. Maybe he needs to learn that he's at a club where we're going to shit the bed against Southampton and Wolves and you need to instill more that base level mentality in them as opposed to the kind of the... Because we've always had that, right? Tottenham Hotspur has always been the kind of the club of dreamers. We've always, even when we've been rubbish like muck when I was growing up in the 90s, I've always seen us every now and again turn up in a kind of big game admittedly not that often in the olden days but still mm-hmm. we we could still always be that team that could just play like you know just majestic stuff on one day look at the the you know the the i think it was league cup semi final against chelsea the 5-1 at home you know like yeah, yeah, games yeah, that, and yeah. we had no right to win it at that time in that sort of phase of world. but that was always tottenham but what we have always done is like i say lose to the sort of less teams and so maybe this is more what Conte you know perhaps this is this is the learning for him this is the learning for him managing at this level with this type of with this type of squad because we've got great players you know um yeah I mean it's interesting these quotes as well about um uh he kind of broke character and he's you know this is the best squad of players I've ever worked with and you're like whoa okay mate you've gone from from being quite arsy in in, in interviews and um, not arsy, but just a, a little bit distant, a little bit detached, so they're kind of downplaying everything. And maybe that's what he does just to basically create this kind of siege mentality and not overhype, control expectations. But then he's coming out and saying, you know, uh, like giving them credit. And whether that's just 
whether that's just something he feels he needs to do off the back of these kind of misquoted, uh, mistranslated Italian press in- interviews, media interviews, or, or whether um, he just feels that this is just part of the journey, um, just in terms of how he's uh, looking to to kind of manage them, you know, on a psychological level. Um, so it's it's in, it's interesting because every game, every result, every quote has to be broken down and analysed to the point where it's just it's not really relevant. And again, you look at the two new signings and you know the performances before the City game. They've only just got into the country. They've only just got into the squad. They they they've shown enough already to show they're far more capable than Endon Bele and Celso, unfortunately. And those players cost you know just under hundred million. Or probably more if you consider all the wages and all the, the rest of it. Um, it's just stepping stones, and you just want to see evidence that what Conte is doing is working. And I guess, I guess it is. Well, yeah, you you, you hope so. I mean, let's uh, let's let's sort of look at the game a bit more. Um, I wanted to sort of before because. I think I'm going to de- devote the entire back end of this podcast to just waxing lyrical about Harry Kane again, as I often like to do. <laughs> so people, you know, you, you, you can you can turn off at that point if you don't want to hear that same old one again. But um, Eric Dyer, it seems quite ironic, really, that Eric Dyer has become <laughs> the player that people are almost jumping for joy when he's been announced in the starting lineup again after an absence. And... On on that evidence, it, it it's not hard to see why, really. I mean, we've all seen his uh, improvement under under Conte, or at least should we say a, a return to the form that he was showing previously in in, in this sort of early part of his Tottenham career. And I, I yeah. appreciate it's in a different position and everything like that, but still, there has been this kind of idea that Eric Dyer is this just completely awful lost cause. Then it's just this sort of collective amnesia of actually quite how good he was for a while people calling him like one of the best kind of <laughs> young English players in a generation and stuff like that you know for for some time at, at Tottenham especially at least in the sort of defensive midfield position but it, it it's 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 very interesting to see him kind of turn from a player that I often would sort of worry about shitting the bed in a game like that you know in the dying seconds to be the one that would somehow or another mess up but he just seems to be solid he seems to have found this new wave of confidence in the way that he plays that I honestly think rubs off on on the players around him um I mean I've often been one to dig out Hoybier, and I think he had a few hairy moments in that first half but again when when you've got a player like Hoybier, who I think just looks more relaxed doing his job knowing that he's got a more solid defense behind him and you've got somebody like Christian Romero who is a fantastic he's honestly I think he's a, an absolutely I think he's gonna be unbelievable but who is he, I guess he's probably slightly erratic he's got that kind of you know, <laughs> I hate to liken him to this, but he's got that almost Kirikos thing about him, where he's oh, you went there. He's a, <laughs> but he's a he's a he's a he's a ball playing centre back. You know, like okay, he's okay. he's a baller. Um, <laughs> and I think having that kind of that that solid kind of player beside him, in someone like Eric Dyer, who just seems to marshal everything as well. I don't know. He just seems to be one of the real leaders in our team. And I know 
you're suddenly people aren't allowed to like Eric Dyer now because he likes Joe Rogan. But come on, you know, <laughs> like. Well, hold on. I mean, I I I like Joe Rogan. Am I gonna? He's gonna cancel me. I think. Well, I think, mate, you you you're well on the road to that now. You're not, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I've got you to be on Twitter. I've got to be on Twitter to be cancelled, and I'm not really on it apart from posting and then reading my mentions and answering my mentions and then fucking off for the day. So, I, you know, come for the king. If that's yeah. what you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. This is just satire and the rest of it. I, I think people should dig you out, mate. You need to get a bit more now. People are people are quite mind. people are quite scared of you on Twitter. I think I don't no, I don't. But I bloody hope not. That I think that the 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 reason people possibly don't come after me, even though they might go after my mates, is and this isn't a dig at my mates, but I <laughs> tend no 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 because you're not you're not one of those snowflakey snow soy boys. No, is that what it is, it's mate? It's not. It's not that. I mean, if I disagree with an opinion, I'll try and have a conversation with you and. And I guess I guess I, I admit if I'm wrong about something as well. I mean, we're all hypocrites to a degree. There's, there's, there's so many things that we say and do that are a contradiction, especially whether, whether it's football, politics, or the rest of it. But I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's because I've always tried to be in the middle and, and I've not tried to, to t- take that much of a poke uh, at either side, even though I have. Do you know what? I fucking don't know. Maybe they are scared of me. Fuck it. I don't, I don't know. But I'm... I'm I'm it's just I know you're hard, kind mate. of guy, mate. I'm definitely well in the bedroom, obviously. But other <laughs> than that, um, I'm a soft lad. Like you know, people have met me at Tottenham. I'm just I'm quite an awkward bloke socially. So I, th- I have no idea. It's just weird. Twitter's completely weird. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with the thing, and I shouldn't be because it's just a really really cumbersome way to have a discussion and moth a to the flame isn't it that's what i always find i've had stretches where i've you know I, after ajax i didn't use it for a couple of years i think near enough and yeah, then no, you did you disappeared for a bit yeah. and then just a pandemic and all that i do I, I think i've said this before but the thing that really got me it was after ajax and i just saw the kind of like Tottenham from Spurs fans Tottenham fans celebrating this like we've actually won something and this is why we're a li- and I just thought you know what I'm fucking done I'm done with this I'm done with it. the fact that it's, I know it's only a minority of people but the fact that this is even I'm having a portal to that type of mind injected I, into my eyeballs and into my consciousness it's, it's just addictive. like I just don't want it I don't I didn't want it yeah but, but then obviously it's, the pandemic came along lockdown I just started using it again you know it's, I think the, the the what's addictive is having to go up against opinions that are different to yours. Not because you're trying to change their mind, because it's almost impossible to do that. People stick to their guns, and that's fair enough. Uh, people don't want to be proved wrong, and they, they want to constantly kind of protect their own ego and their own standing in this kind of weird digital social hive that we're all part of. Um, if, you, if you can detach yourself from caring about these opinions that fundamentally don't really matter because if someone's going to be banging on about you know um why are we glorifying like um a semi-final win in the manner that we did then then they're not really sinking aligning to the way that you follow football so they're probably not the type of person you'd get on with in in real life or maybe they are if you don't talk about football the point is if you sidestep that now you might people might say, well, then you're in an echo chamber listening to people that only agree with what you're saying. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying talk about what you want to talk about. 
And if people want to have a discussion with you, have a discussion back. But this is the whole pylon nature of, uh, of Twitter and, and, and the, the, the kind of the way that people hunt in packs. They look for someone, they, they, they aim, aim, take a shot, and then they make sure that everybody that follows them is following this particular gripe so that they can all sort of dive in. That, that, that's a weird thing because I don't think, as much as people say they would, I don't think they'd do that in real life. I don't think they'd go up to someone in real life and start pointing their finger and swearing at them and trying to like verbally attack them or maybe even physically attack them. They prob- probably wouldn't go anywhere near that person. And if they did and they had a conversation, they'd probably like the person. And this is why I'm doing my best to just kind of do, I don't know, like a cold turkey detox. And when I go back, try not to get sucked into all the, the, the shit because there's a lot of good people on Twitter. There's a lot of conversations that I enjoy having. And it, more importantly, there's loads of people I follow and talk with every day that I disagree with. I don't like their their, their opinion and their perspective, or or rather, I, I'm not the type of person that, that understands why they look at football in that way. But it allows me, in, in, a, in a way, to test how I'm perceiving things. Maybe I've got something wrong. Because if they're seeing this, why can't I see it? And then you're kind of having a little internal conversation. So it does it does work in really good ways. I think but I... it's petty. It's petty as fuck, really, and and it's and it's childish and petulant, and it's those things that that can poison your mood, and suddenly you're oh, finding that you're oh, on it all the time. All right, just just at me, mate. Petulant, childish. Like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think uh, I do think that for as much as like pylon culture is like highlighted often as one of the main things of Twitter, I do think Twitter the past you know, probably past year, past couple of years, I think probably during the pandemic and everything, they've started to sort of self-regulate that stuff a bit better. I find both ways, whether it's kind of like, because I think it's as well, like, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think pylon culture, this type of thing, is one of those things that is always attributed to like the left. People are always saying, oh, the snowflakes do this and they get everyone cancelled. But it's just as much a a right-wing phenomenon as well. It's just, it's something that people just do. They just like to... Like you say, it's kind of a way of saying, I don't agree with this. And if you kind of want to be in my clan, um, mm. you have to go. That went a bit too Gary Glitter there, didn't it? But uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you have to agree with this or like this opinion. I think there is, there's a certain level of peer pressure there because it's it's tough when you're having a kind of, you're essentially, you're, you know, you're at a virtual speaker's corner, aren't you? You're trying to talk about an idea with, one person sometimes you know you might announce something in the first place but in the replies when somebody's kind of talking back to you and stuff it's always going to be open to other people coming in and piling in with their thoughts and that's always going to kind of shape the conversation in a different way and you never know kind of if it's you know if you're arguing with or discussing something with somebody on the opposite side of the argument to you and somebody who kind of sees discussion heading in a different way will come onto their side. That leaves that person you're arguing with in a, in a place of, do I ally with the person who agrees with me, but is kind of voicing this in a way that I don't agree with or whatever, you know? So I think in terms of like constructive conversation, it gets lost in this whole mesh of people having to keep up appearances. And I'm not saying I'm free from this. I think everybody falls victim yeah. to this kind of stuff, but what I generally tend to do now is if I know I'm getting into like a conversation with somebody and it's not really going in a constructive place, I just stop. <laughs> I just stop replying. So I just think I can't be asked. Like I can't be asked. And I think it's partly like a thing of like, 
not so much from an ego of in like I can't be wrong, but it's like you know I kind of feel this way and about something, and I don't I just don't really want to be challenged on it in a certain way. And and other exactly. times and other times it's like I can see somebody is so opposed to something I am saying, I don't really have the time or the energy to want to change their mind and. I don't really have the inclination to do so. I, I sort of use Twitter more as a thing of being like, these are my thoughts and my feelings about stuff that half the time, really, I'm tweeting when I'm pissed watching Tottenham. So I'll tweet stuff out and people are like, oh, it's just nit, chief. I li- yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, I, I can't, sorry if you're listening again, but he said to me like, you know, I, I listen to the pod and I like it, but this just, this isn't it, mate. Because I said something about like, you know, it was it was supposed to be, it was more tongue in cheek as in like, you know, Kane's definitely, it was after he'd just scored the, the I can't remember if he'd scored like if it was the second goal or the third goal but after one of them I was just like you know Kane's definitely too good for us he should be playing for this lot but oh well do you know what I mean because he's just scored like the winner against them yeah, yeah, but yeah, this obviously yeah. got interpreted as me being like oh we're just not good enough for Harry Kane please be and so you know somebody sort of took umbrage of that and I just sort of thought fair enough you know I've been sort of vague in my posting of this and it's always important to remember half the time that people don't know you you know they don't know how you're saying something they are projecting their own kind of opinions onto a straw man essentially like okay I, i get this guy this is that trunk guy on twitter who is a sort of tottenham shit poster he's he's generally sort of a bit of a lefty snowflake on certain things but has form with being a bit of a gammon about other stuff so it's you know a centrist star i think they call me nowadays it's, isn't it, 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 it what's interesting is that people get called out for saying something it'll be tied into some, something political or or, or, or non-football related like, like you said left and right and um they, they will probably get attacked for it but then the people that are doing the attacking would probably also be in favour of what's being said if the subject matter was something completely different. So there's a lot of selective battles and selective... I mean, I'm being really vague here because I don't really want to go into it because it's just... it's. See, here's the problem from my perspective. I can have a dig at the 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 has spurs of this world, and and you know the, the 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 people that are constantly derogatory and miserable about Tottenham. No matter what what happens, no matter what we do, it always comes back to the agenda of us not being good enough for anything. And there's these weird, fragmented expectations of what it what they think should be happening, and the, and how they're experiencing football. And I'll be like, you need to be a bit more happy clappy. So. In me attacking them and them attacking us, it's just a, a repeat show. And I, and I find a lot of the, the things about Twitter that I actually don't enjoy is reading the same things from the same people all of the time. And the fact that I am then responding in the same way to the same people mm. all of the time. I'm I'm now part of that problem as well. So it shouldn't really... We shouldn't be having a dissertation on, on, on Twitter. Uh, about Twitter, rather. Um, do you know what I mean? This should just be something that you microblog on. You, like you said, share your thoughts, have a, have a have a laugh, have a discussion. But the problem is that everybody uses it differently. You know, you get in a car to drive somewhere. I would hope ninety eight percent of the time you're a careful driver. You know, the other two percent is because we got there's loads of pricks that, that that get into into cars that shouldn't really have licenses. But everyone knows the rules. I think with Twitter, even though there's governing rules about what you're meant to say and not what what, what you're meant to say, your opinion is your own, as long as it's not hate-filled. 
So the way that you project that opinion is going to be different to the next person. Even if you share the same opinion, the way you deliver it will be different. Like you said, the way someone reads it, if they have a particular agenda in their head, they will misread your tweet. Like that guy misread your tweet because in his head, he has insecurities about Spurs being bullied all the time and and, and their players being tapped up and, and, and being, you know... Uh, pulled towards other entities uh, that are considered proper football clubs because they got all all the money and they win all the trophies because they got all the money. So, yeah, maybe we should talk about Harry Kane again. Well, I, I was just going to say to bring it back to where we started this from, Eric Dyer. I mean, do you no, no, do, do you feel like you have to do you have to change your opinion on him, mate? Have you no, written him off? I don't. I like the guy. I like the guy's a human. He shush, like he's shush the a... fucking Emirates, mate. Even though we lost yeah. the game, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah, he just he, gets it. <laughs> he he's a player that was was prone to mistakes, and he still has them in him. The one against Liverpool. I don't know if he had one against City. Maybe I'm misremembering. But there's moments where it's a misplaced pass back into a dangerous area and then we're defending. And defenders are going to do that. And you're going to notice those mistakes, especially if they don't happen often. Now, with Dyer, the criticism was that he was shaky as fuck. But again, you pull yourself out of the situation and you just consider what's going on around him. What's, what's the, what defence is he playing in? Who are the midf- What the midfield in front of him doing to, to protect that defence. Everything, cogs in a machine, it all it's all important. And sometimes we kind of dress over that and we look at one play and think he's shit, he doesn't know what he's doing, he keeps losing the ball. But then you're thinking about about the tactics and, and the, the, the 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 pattern of play, if there is one, which there wasn't a, when Nuno was was coached. So these little things matter. These little things take time to implement. Now obviously if you are of a particular quality it becomes easy, easier to adapt and change. And as long as your teammates are keeping up that 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 level um, of adaption uh, and adoption, what's the right word there? Adaption or adoption? Or are they both relevant? I think both colour works both yeah, ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think don't know so. why I doubt myself sometimes. So. Anyway, uh, if I don't see it written down, I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so he has been able to do that. He's been able to react to Conte. He's been able to... Uh, um, to settle and he's been able to minimise those mistakes um, because he, you know with self-confidence coaching the the, 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 the kind of trans- transitional uh, responsibilities of, of midfield uh, um, defence midfield and attack just everything is at a professional standard now and and Dyer's always shown that potential and, and he's blown hot and cold because we didn't know what type of player he was going to be, like in terms of playing in midfield, playing deeper, playing centre-back. He's got consistency now, you know, and he's got a proper coach. And you love to see it. He's, um don't know who it was that said it, but uh, it may, maybe it was tongue-in-cheek, but someone someone on the fighting cock said, you know, it's good to have Dyer back in the team to point and instruct constructively and, 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 and with reason in order to kind of look after Romero in these wandering uh, runs and, and the rest of it. And he's captain material. He's, he's more captain material you know? than Kane is for me. A hundred percent. He's, you know, I, I, obviously... When I mean, Kane the... leads by example, by being who he is and what he is, but um, maybe not so much in the summer, but maybe we're going to get on to the fact that he's maybe just about forgiven for that. 
couple more goals in in a couple of big games coming up, and and we might just completely forget about Disneyland. So, well, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we're kind of now in the we're in the realms now of people almost posturing with the well, I still haven't forgiven him. He's still a snake to me, type thing. You know, the, as as we were sort of t- talking on for time heals. Well, time heals. exactly, and so do goals, and so does just having a bit of fucking humanity sometimes. You know, just understanding why one of the best players that's ever graced <laughs> football, really, any type of football. In our lifetime yeah, as well. You at know? any level might be a bit put out that, you know, the club that he has given a lot to would hire Nuno Espirito Santo, you know, it's, it, and seemingly not have any kind of designs on getting better again, you know, getting back to a level where they might win things. But we've we've addressed that and he seems to be fully back on Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Forward, I mean... One of the one of the other things that like I would say about him um, is it is it, I think it has been sort of neglected that uh, again a lot of that England team who got to the final against Italy um, have been a bit of a shambles this year you know a lot of them and then we saw what kind of the Champions League final did to Tottenham so I can imagine those lads all felt that just the same as they would for any of their That's clubs a really good doing something point, you know I never thought of that. You know, look at Maguire, look at Calvin Phillips, you know, quite a few of them yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, Walker's probably been pretty solid all the way. Trent's had a good year. Well, he wasn't even part of it, actually, so there you go. <laughs> there. But still, I don't know. I, I think there's maybe something in that. Luke Shaw as well, sort of falling off a bit of a cliff this year after having a really good couple of seasons. So maybe there's something in that, and it probably doesn't help with the fact that Kane did have all the, all the Manchester City stuff. But I, I have enjoyed, I've got to say, the the sort of questions that are being posed after this um, with a lot of the pundits kind of being like, you know, oh, well, would Harry Kane have actually made Manchester? Do do City actually need Harry Kane? It's like, of course, <laughs> any, any, any team in the world needs a player like Harry Kane. You know, he's just, he's one of those players. Like, it's like saying the same of, Salah or Bernardo Silva or you know anyone Mbappe Haaland any any club in the world wants a player like that you know any any of them need him um and I think on that sort of evidence you you'd say that he'd probably be their best player because he he absolutely I mean um Sean Walsh the journalist um friend of the show and all that he uh he made a point that that was possibly Harry Kane's best 
ever game for Spurs. And I sort of winced at first thinking, like, oh, hang on, hang on. There's got to be other mm. ones. And I kind of, I do, I do see the point in so much as I think that's the first sort of big game at a kind of a real kind of crunch point when Tottenham were sort of down and out, really, that he didn't just score a couple of goals. He absolutely commanded it. Oh, he was unplayable. He was, he was unplayable. He just commanded um, everything. And whatever, yeah. you know, maybe it's an audition for Pep. Maybe it was a bit of a like, you you know, silly tosser. You should have you should have had faith in me or not so much to, to Pep because I think he's always wanted him. But at least to that club to say like, you know, this is, this is what you should have had. Um, but either way, like he's, I don't know. He was something else. He was a man possessed. So, is uh, is he is he is he back back now? Do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I, I think I think it was. I've not really thought about the city thing for a while, you know, because I've just been more focused on 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 on, on Tottenham playing better and, and and getting their act together, or at least seeing some progression under Conte. Uh, knowing full well that I'm I'm not really going to buckle up until the summer, you know, and then my expectations will rise for for next season. Um, but you know it's been a quiet season for him, and and it's not because of injuries. It has been because of the the kind of psychological stuff and the, the fact that Spurs have been an absolute mess. So the fact that we're more organised now, the fact that we do have Conte, and he has in amongst it all, even though he's not been scoring uh, week in week out, he has been curating and crafting from the middle, and he's dropping back, and he's in he's, in he's Kind of like this thing about him losing a bit of pace and a, a bit of that kind of um, um, just that sprint of of of, of awareness that that yard that you get um, when you when you're kind of attacking the penalty area. Um, you know, people are assuming he's kind of slowed down, but he's just he's just evolving and probably prolonging his career because. If you look at look at his intelligence, he's not going to lose that. It's like Teddy Sheringham, that extra yard in in the head, and, and it's the same with Kane. He knows where to be at the right time. He can see. He's passing. I said it before. He's he's on par with a hoddle. Maybe not as flamboyant as a hoddle, who who kind of sort of is sat in the middle of the, of the midfield, you know, or was sat in the mid, middle of the midfield all the time. Whereas Kane is obviously a centre forward, but you saw the first pass, first time here, and all the other balls that he's threaded ball, uh, threaded through. He's just he is a a Rolls Royce type of footballer. Is is, is Rolls Royce relevant as a? Probably, I, I think he's, so. Fuck it, yeah, or whatever. Whatever. I think he's whatever more of a, he's more of a supercar, isn't he? Like he's kind of he's <laughs> just. Um, he's just unbelievable. He he he's got he has it all as a as as a. As a as a footballer, he's the complete centre forward or the complete forward who can drop deep and create for for the team. Now people are going to go, well, why does he need to do that? Well, he needs to do that really because he can, and it works, and it, and it works tactically. And we don't have an Ericsson. We don't have a player that sits in the middle. We don't have a Hoddle that can sit in the middle and and be completely reliant. We can be completely reliant on on that particular player to. To do that, but you know, you, you need players that are of that quality, and he's world class. He's still world class, even if he's not banging them in. And and you're right, it was an elite performance. It was a top tier performance, but it felt more about 
and I, you know this is just my gut talking and my heart talking but it felt more connected to Tottenham than it did to showing Man City what they're missing out on and maybe some of that is is is, is kind of formed in his head you know in, in terms of preparation for the game again on a psychological level that he's going in it's a big game it's Man City you know uh, he missed the first game at, at home uh, when we beat him for obvious reasons you know he he's, he wants to prove a point to to everyone that he's still I mean he doesn't really have to prove a point that he's still relevant he's fucking of course he is but it was just elite and it was also what was great is that his teammates were on his level do you know what I mean in terms of being switched on in terms of being in terms of being leaders uh, themselves and yeah there were some messy moments but you know you're under pressure from City you had most of the possession and and Spurs were like yeah okay this is cool we're calm you know we don't have to worry too much about this because when we counter when we move the ball forward quickly we're at the races and, and we we were we had uh, they five to four efforts on target compared to, you know we had five they had four so we were more clinical and it's it's at a higher level of um, performance because if you don't get many chances in games, you have to make those chances count. And, and you know, we scored three times. Kane had one that was uh, um, stopped and, and and we had a, a, a disallowed as well. Well, he had one disallowed as well. So mental is absolutely brilliant performance and just proof that these players are capable of brilliant performances against top top teams and if this is how we need to play against top teams then we play like this and until we're I'm sure at home it'd be slightly different but uh, until we're at a level where we can go toe to toe uh, sometimes you got to pick your fights basically you just pick your fights and um it's it's just always lovely to the, we get under their skin. I don't know what it is about us. It's so City, poetically they, Tottenham, isn't it? It's so poetically yeah, it's, Tottenham that we can shit the bed exactly. against teams. Honestly, I'm more worried about going into this Burnley game than I was the City game. Like because I just I just know we are their bogey team. We just are now. Like there, there's no other way around it. Like it's it's mad and I. Pep is so. I think it's Pep has lost to every single Tottenham manager in his tenure at Manchester City other than Brian Mason but it's uh That's mad it's just hilarious it's it's <laughs> absolutely mad. hilarious the the only i think it's isn't it something mad now the only team they've lost more to in the premier league is chelsea now than tottenham mm. which is or maybe it might be pep i think it, i think it's cuz that doesn't make sense cuz manchester city have been woeful for some time before but i think he the is... only team pep has lost more to is chelsea yeah, well, that that would definitely make more sense because of the the, the level they're competing against each other. At. So something that's really interesting, though, when you come back to this whole culture at Tottenham, and we're not winners, we haven't got winners, we haven't we don't win anything, and and this is why Tottenham don't win anything. And it's like, well, okay, you know, you just described this kind of self fulfilling prophecy, the snake eating the snake's tail. You know, we have to win something in order to experience that and have a benchmark and a template to to work from. But it, it is interesting that all of that, you can almost just wipe it away and say it's bollocks. By a right amount of, by the right amount of players of, of a particular quality, and you've got your winning culture. And you, you look at teams like City and Chelsea who buy top tier footballers, right? At Spurs, the, 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 that, that kind of psychological mental block that we supposedly have, 
I don't think we do. I think we are capable of turning up. Now, I know lots of people are going to say, well, hold on a minute, Spook. Every dog has its day. Everyone can turn up for a day or two. But Spurs consistently do this, not just against City, but they've, they've done it before. They have those big game moments. They're capable of, 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 they're not scared. They're not fearful of doing it. What we can't do is do it every week. Because if we did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be talking about whether we can win the league or finish in the top three. And and that's the gap. And I think this is this is the reason why I'm far more philosophical and always have been um, about Spurs. Because I can see that we haven't got enough about us. But I don't hate on the club and hate on Tottenham. I get disgruntled that we make the same mistakes. That we, we, need, we need someone at the helm to perhaps just say, we have to do this, this and this if we're going to compete. And we have to be completely clinical and cut cutthroat about it. But we're 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 in that moment now, you know, and the summer will tell us everything that we need to know. And then it's down to Conte. The pressure will be on him. If Levy delivers everything that he needs, then it's down to Conte. And and at that point, I don't think anyone has the right to moan and complain. And and I'll, I'll fight people in the streets again. Well, metaphorically I... speaking. Because I think what we need I, I believe, and if I'm wrong, fair enough, what a fan base needs is to believe their club is doing everything in their power to be competitive and to, to push on into that journey. And that's why we all believed in the Pochettino moments because we knew we were pushing for something and we were pushing the right direction. Where we got it wrong and where the criticism is completely fair is that we didn't, we didn't back Poch at the right time and it kind of fell apart. We just didn't know what to do in that situation. Again, which is why people are disgruntled at the owners. So I'm not saying it's a perfect, um, you know, it's, it's not. It's definitely not a perfect football club, but I think we're in a position that many other football supporters will never come close to experiencing. They'll have their day in the sun and disappear again. I think Spurs are always knocking on the door. We just need someone to smash the door in. Well, that, this is it. I mean, it's, it's back to what you're saying about it being bollocks. It is bollocks. And it, it's one of those things that it shouldn't. But what rattles me is seeing this zero trophies bullshit that keeps getting perpetuated now by the banter accounts and by, I get it, a lot of it's kind of football Twitter virgins to give it the moniker as people like to. But it's it's young people that haven't seen Tottenham obviously win the Premier League and all this type of stuff. But this idea of us having zero trophies and the way it's kind of seeping into just the the, the discussion around Tottenham yeah. that we are per- perennial losers at this it's utter bollocks. Like yeah, okay, we've had we've had a spell where we haven't won anything for a bit, but. Tottenham Hotspur are fucking trailblazers in winning stuff. You know, the, the fuck, I think the first or the only team, if I'm correct in saying, non-league team to win a fucking FA Cup. The first team in this in the last century to win the double. The first Brit- the first English team, at least, to win a European trophy. Like, it's bollocks. And this idea that, like, we kind of, we haven't done it, we've got this loser's mentality, it just isn't true. Tottenham, if anything, we need to refine our identity. It's not about changing anything. It's not about kind of mm. drawing ourselves out of being a loser club. We're not a loser club. We're just not. It's... We need to refine that identity. And it, when you kind of when you twist it that way, or not even twist it, when you look at it that way, it seems so much less of an insurmountable mountain to climb. You know, like it, it, Liverpool 
they they've had this now this they they, were, they spent years knocking on the door years knocking on the door and I get it it's kind of it's different because they won a few league cups and FA cups in that time I think they even won a kind of a UEFA cup they they did they they won five trophies in a season once I think or something ridiculous like all cups. Or over a couple of years. But in terms of the big ones, what Liverpool were known for, you know, Liverpool were yeah. the team that won, fucking, I think, back-to-back European trophies. Oh, that might be Nottingham Forest. I don't know if Liverpool ever won back-to-back. But um, still, had a, a, you know, throughout the 70s and 80s, lighting up Europe, winning kind of the Football League nearly every single season until pretty much whoever came along, Arsenal, Everton and United eventually came along. But... They still just, they had to refine it and they've got this right man in Klopp and now they're challenging for the big stuff again. You know, and it's, it's. I just think, you know, this this idea that we're just losers and always, it's just, it's no good. But at the same time though, <laughs> it irritates me more when it comes from the pundits and stuff. There's still this kind of thing with the fans, this mentality is why we don't, this, come on. It's just somebody tweeting something and I I, I get it to a degree like this idea of like, trickle down of it like seeping through into the kind of into the consciousness and everything but the majority of people like this I think we kind of feel that every single person on a match day sat in the stadium uses Twitter and a lot of them don't, oh, they don't. a There's lot a of people don't use Twitter um, I think that. we get too sucked into it going back to Twitter we get too sucked into kind of it's 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 relevance to everybody because yeah. we have these communities on there we know all the people you know we know that such and such lot like to dig out this lot who dig out that lot who subtweet about that lot and you kind of you know the whole tapestry of how things work in that Tottenham community on there but is it that reflective of what goes on in the ground because I know there's plenty of people who you know probably aren't at all like that you know (laughs) various people who have met me have been I think quite sort of disappointed with how sort of boring I am really in real life, how normal I am, you know, how I'm just like, all right, mate, how you doing? Yep. You have a beer, you watch football, you know, it, it, it's, it's just what it is, you know, but it's very, I guess it is, it is all tied in what we were talking about earlier. It's very easy to lose yourself in all of that. And this idea that you kind of anything said on there is sacrosanct and that's it. It's, it's put down and Tottenham, if at Spurs lad, 61 on there says that this team is useless and that we're never going to get anywhere that that is somehow going to mean that the team won't ever win it will it fuck it's bollocks but look the 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 gloating and the goading i mean you know i had a conversation with this like in 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 whatsapp the other day about the whole whole trophy thing and you know i think it was uh ty bringing up uh, um in a conversation a kind of a, a video uh interview thing um not interview they were up against each other basically it was a um i can't even remember what website it was i'm butchering this but there were there was flav representing tottenham ty from arsenal fan tv obviously for the for the scum and you know he kept bringing up fa cups fa cups you know what have you won recently what and like and someone in, in whatsapp said that they've got that over us we can't go up against that and I'm, I'm thinking yeah okay of course i wouldn't expect them not to gloat like, like, because if we won something, we would gloat back. We, you know, we we would say, "When was the last time you won a trophy?" You know, not that long ago. There was that countdown thing or that that count up thing about how long it had been since Arsenal had won something because Spurs had won um, the League Cup against Chelsea in two thousand and eight. So we were we were kind of gloating about that. That's fine. That's football. 
I don't expect that to, to go away. But to, the whole trophy cabinet thing is weird because, like, oh, empty trophy cabinet. Oh, so what? How does that work? Does the trophy cabinet? Do we only go back a certain amount of years? We're, we're not going to look at history. Oh, it doesn't count if it was way back when TVs were black and white. Oh, right. So at some point, we can discount the Invincibles because it'd be so far back in the past. doesn't matter anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? It's it's a juvenile, stupid meme thing for, for, for a lot. And it probably started off as something in the terraces, but has now just become this kind of go-to thing. You're not relevant, you're shit, because you haven't won anything. And like you're thinking, uh, are we in the top six or seven uh, clubs in history in England in terms of wins in, in the top flight divisions? Are we the sixth or seventh or, or maybe fifth most successful football club in this country? All skewed by modern the modern age, by the way, where you know the monopolised Sky Sports Champions League money kind of funded a top four that separated themselves and bossed and and completely uh, uh, doped their, their their own trophy cabinets in, in that particular decade. It is what it is. Football. We've always been on the cusp of something which is a lot more than what other people say. And I don't care about these these people. Well, I, I say I don't care. I'm lightly triggered by it because I think, fucking hell, just get a new joke. This is on par with calling Spurs spuds. Do you know what I mean? Spuds are really versatile. Well, it is. It's, it's a new version. Potato. <laughs> like, fucking hell, chips, mashed potato, go fucking smoke it. It, it. Come on. Make beer out of it, moonshine. I, I, I'll tell you on. what, mate. Have you Spons ever had? Fucking great. I went to a wedding in Northern Ireland, and uh, they had something called Champ there. Have you ever had Champ? No, I've not heard of that. It's, it's like a, it's like an Irish type of mashed potato, with you know, I don't know. It's got like loads of butter in it, which is always a good thing. And like, but it's got like I can't remember if it's like spring onions or leek or something like that in there. And I don't know. It's just I'm not selling it. Sounds but the way it's, oh, mate, the way it's made, honestly. Put me to sleep. Champ, uh, just look up champ. And I know you're. Are you on a no carb? Are you ketoing at the moment? Or no, no. It's just I'm. I'm I've always been always far. Always always fast. Sixteen to twenty hours a day. It's just I just moderate. But to be fair, I always chase it with things I shouldn't be eating. Um, but I'm relatively uh, healthy, and I do avoid potatoes during the week and then I get to the weekend and then it's like it's potato fest yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah sit there mate you're only you're only here once aren't you so you know if you, yeah. well, if you choose exactly. to believe that but well that's another pod altogether that is another pod altogether um, well I think we're t- that's probably quite a nice place to wrap it up mate because I don't really want to sour that with any talk about Burnley um other than the fact that I think Duncan Alexander, <laughs> he uh, he oh, put God. he put out a decent tweet, um, which was it was something like, if if you're not here for Burnley signing a six foot, foot six foot six striker, I don't think this sport is for you. And uh, I just thought that was quite apt. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.